Welcome to the Enterprise Excellence Podcast, where our purpose is to help create a better future. Learn from our world's experts how to improve your organization sustainably. Learn how to achieve and sustain an excellence journey for yourself, others, and the planet. And I'm your host, Brad Jevons, coming to you from Brisbane, Australia. We are proudly brought to you in association with SA Partners, a world-leading business transformation consultancy. SA Partners are a truly purposeful company focused on helping organisations achieve sustainable improvement for themselves, others, and the planet. Welcome to episode 52 of the Enterprise Excellence Podcast. Early on in my journey into Enterprise Excellence, I came across a pivotal book that helped me and the people I work for understand how they could support and sustain an excellence journey. The book was Creating a Lean Culture, written by Mr. David Mann. I'm so pleased to have David on the show with us today to share knowledge and insights into the work he has been doing with the Lean Management System, a critical approach to sustaining excellence journeys. Let's get into the episode. David, thank you so much for joining us today. You're welcome, Brad. I'm delighted to be here. Oh, I appreciate it, David. It's such, such a thrill. David, what's, what's your backstory? Like, What significant moments brought you into this place of being involved in continuous improvement, lean, and this critical factor of you know, lean management? Well, it's a, it's a, um, a sort of a twisting road. Uh, I, I started out um, as a young man, as a um, graduate student in psychology, got a PhD in, in uh, psychology, and uh, uh, learned a bunch of things that, that you ordinarily wouldn't think about. I mean, it was a research degree, so I was learning um, that the sort of uh, a version of a scientific method, if you will. Um, so I, uh, 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 my uh, wife was working for the United States attorney in Detroit where we lived. So she would represent agencies of the United States in court. And uh, uh, we, wanted to, we wanted to move to uh, a less frenetic place than Detroit. Uh, so we did. We moved to where we have lived since then on the, the west side of the state over by Lake Michigan, Grand Rapids, Michigan. Nice. Uh, and I had worked for a consulting company after graduate school. And the, the guy who hired me in Detroit had moved, uh, had been hired by a company in Grand Rapids. And uh, so, you know, for better or for worse, he hired me again. So I started working for a manufacturing company um, and I, I didn't really do that much good for a, for a number of years, but the, there were a couple of, uh, a couple of young engineers at the company who got interested in this thing called lean and they got in touch with John Shook, who was the first American hired by Toyota when Toyota was going to open their, uh, uh, um, assembly plant in Long Beach, California, a mothballed General Motors plant that had failed. Um, so that that's a, a whole other story, very interesting story. Um, but I've uh, 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 so I got involved in the in the lean effort that that um, that John's group brought into Steelcase, the company that I work for. Uh, and um, one, of the, one of the changes that came out of all of this after a couple of years was um, a, a change in the factory organization 
um, from departments isolated from one another, special, like there would be a well department, a paint department, um, uh, an assembly department, an upholstery department, um, all separated by months and months of inventory. It was incredible. Uh, I consider myself a person of normal stature. Uh, and I'd walk through the factories and uh, I, I couldn't see more than five feet in front of me. There was, uh, you know, these you know big steel um, inventory tubs that you see in factories stacked up 40 feet. Mm. Uh, it was it was unbelievable. So uh, part of the, the change from the 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 mass production batch and queue system to the um, flow and pull system was a change in the pay system. So uh, production operators, uh, factory floor guys and gals had, you know, for the past 90 years been paid on a piece rate basis. So the more inventory you made, the more money you earned. It was a, a direct feedback loop for just producing more and more and more stuff mm. that would get be stacked higher and higher and higher and higher. Um, and that was going to change. So they... They asked me, or I volunteered, I don't remember, but we put together um, an approach for preparing supervisors, first-line supervisors, to answer questions about the change in their pay system. They were going from piece rate to day rate, so from being sort of an individual entrepreneur at their machine to being a, a member of a, of a much larger group. Uh, and uh, it turned out it was it, the 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 scheme that we worked out was was pretty effective. Um, that was we. Well, I, that's, I don't want to go into a great deal of detail of that, but we asked the supervisors to write down on cards what are the questions that they felt that their employees who reported to them what would, what were their questions, and then we shuffle them up and deal them out. Uh, and in uh, these table groups, we'd have the table um, write an answer to the question. So um, we didn't give them the answer. That we, we had a, um, a pay guy come in and describe the new pay system. And then they answered based on their understanding of that. So um, <laughs> we sort of wondered, gee, I wonder if that's going to work. So we, so that, um, um, I started going out to the factory floors. There were a dozen of them um, that I called on. It's the best job I ever had. And go out and, you know, go to the floor, talk to the supervisors and, and ask them, you know, how's it, how's it going? Uh, as, the, as the lean transformations happened, value stream by value stream by value stream. And it turned out they were, they were very comfortable talking about the pay system. Um, but that was the only part that they were comfortable with because this is, this is right. Remember you've got this, this unbelievable quantity of inventory. You're never going to run out of parts. Wow. Um, and now you're like hand to mouth. And if something went wrong, you were going to run out of parts. Yeah. And in the past that, that had been, that, that was a no, no. Yeah. You never ran out of parts. So now, um, you know, what are, what are, what are we going to do? How are we going to make this new system work? 
And uh, what we found, and, and this was repeatedly, that pretty much the day um, or at most the week after the project team left, the project team would have redesigned the, the floor uh, uh, and, you know, greatly reduced the inventory, linked previously um, isolated operations. They, you know, they were putting in flow and pull. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it turned out that supervisors they always had been good at talking to people and they, and they had done a very good job of talking to people about the pay system. So we'd prepared them for that, but they didn't know what to do uh, in, in the context of these new production yeah. um, um, organizations and, and arrangements. Um, so I thought that was pretty interesting Uh uh, it was it was actually it was beyond interesting yeah. the, like the you know the day the project team left basically the whole the whole arrangement would fall apart yeah um because they the both the uh, the people doing the work and the people supervising the work didn't know what to do um for the for the care and feeding of of a flow and pull production process mm. so um i go scratch my head and talk to a supervisor and say, I, I don't know, you know, I can't tell what's going on here. Mm-hmm. So, well, what if, uh, you know, what if we, what if you did something like this? And I, you know, scratch something out on a piece of paper and, and uh, supervisor would say, well, I don't know. I'll, don't, I'll, tr- I'll try anything. I'll try that. Yeah. And uh, so we, started developing in this trial and error way um, a set of tools, behaviors, and practices that end up being the lean management system. Yeah, nice. A lot of emphasis on on what you can see, uh, uh, visual controls, so that um, you wouldn't have to go to a computer terminal mm. and and look at a bunch of numbers that were meaningful to maybe someone in finance or engineering, but in terms of running your department, not very, not very helpful. Mm. Um, so these, these are became uh, like a, a um, hour by hour production tracking chart. That was, that was the, you know, on a flip chart, right? That was how you could tell, are we having a good day? Are we having a bad day? Yeah. You know, how many greens do we have? How many reds do we have? And uh, uh, this is one of the interesting things is people in factories, in, in my experience anyhow, people in manufacturing are used to being held accountable because mm. they're supposed to ship at the end of the day, right? Yeah. So but like, I, you know, we got to, you know, we have to, we have to do what's expected of us and what the customers are expecting. So the, so the reds were not a problem in the factory. Uh, maybe it's because in the past they were used to being yelled at when, mm-hmm. you know, when they, you know, were off schedule, yeah. which yeah. I'm pretty sure was true. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not in an abusive way necessarily, but it was brought to their attention that they'd fallen short. Mm-hmm. So they were used to that people in offices. And we, and we later expanded the, the same, uh, the, the same set of tools, behaviors, and practices in um, in office settings, which uh, 
from an organizational standpoint was really interesting, but it was not nearly as much fun as working in the, in the, in the shop floor yeah. from my point of view. Uh, but people in offices, they, they're uncomfortable seeing red. Yeah. That was something they had to get used to because no one yelled at them. Mm. <laughs> yeah. It was, it could be seen easily as personal failure having a red come up in that scenario. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and it was, it had also been very hard to tell because, you know, in the factory, either the stuff is there and it's supposed to be, or the stuff is there and it's not supposed to be, or the stuff is, is there and there's too much of it. Mm. But in the office, you know, you're just, you know, sitting down, you know, watching your screen and, and all the actual information is hidden in the, in the system. Mm. Uh, Anyhow, it turned out that that uh, that the approach works uh, both in the office and in the factory. Go to enterpriseexcellencepodcast.com backslash downloads to download a lean management system form David has kindly provided. Please like, subscribe and share this podcast to help others gain insights and create a better future. Let's get back into the episode. Yeah, it was an interesting experiment that you had early on, David, isn't it? Like... Having a psychology background, that'd be a major help. It's funny how many great authors like yourself in this space, like Jeff Leiker has got the psychology background too. Like it's a lot of it's about what goes on in the mind, isn't it? And having that early base in that would have been an amazing start. But then you had this experiment early on where you had success with the pay system, but you saw that reorganization into more of a pool-based flow system start to crumble when the experts went away and it's such a common story, isn't it? Such a yeah. common story. I've been through and, it myself. Yeah. And it's, and, and, uh, you know, you're sort of standing in the middle of chaos and you don't know what to do. Whereas before you were, you know, you, you knew all the levers to pull and the buttons to push. Yeah. Now all that was gone. Yeah. And so, so uh, it, oh, so then the key, the key elements then like the visual system you put in, where you then made really the health of the system visual so you could then (laughs) see within a moment that was the first key element of the lean management system. What, what were the other key elements of the lean management system that you saw evolve over time? Well, the core ones were, so you've got the visual control so you can tell what's going on. Mm. Um, And so, so lean is not about solving problems. It's about finding them. Yeah. Right. Right. That's Taiichi Ono. Yeah. Lean's about finding problems. So the production chart brings the problems to the surface. And now the question is, so what should we do? Mm-hmm. So, so the, uh, the production tracking chart in, in some if physical preferably, but sometimes electronic forms gets reviewed in the supervisor's department um, uh, the next day. You know, what kind of data do we have? We had, when we have a red, we're looking for a problem statement on the production tracking chart, mm. which is you had, there was something you had that you didn't want, or there was something you wanted that you didn't have. Just real simple stuff to sort of jog people's thinking so the production tracking chart goes to an accountability meeting, a daily accountability meeting, um, where um, typically you'd have some of the support groups there because the, 
um, the production people are busy working on production in, in most cases, um, but you might have uh, an engineer and maybe somebody from maintenance, um, occasionally other um, support group specialties, once in a while HR or accounting, um, uh, production control, that kind of thing. Uh, and you'd, you'd get a, uh, you'd get, um, where's my prop? Here's my prop. So, so on a, on a post-it note, um, the, the supervisor writes um, um, uh, an action, a verb noun action statement uh, that's going to go, in this case, it's, it's an assignment for me. It says, uh, follow up with production and inventory control um, and, a, and a part number. Mm. And that would get written on the, on the post-it note. And then the accountability board is a matrix of names. So, you know, Brad, David, you know, Marianne, et cetera. With, um, so those are the rows and the columns are dates, day by day by day. And uh, the, the uh, supervisor or maybe the superintendent asks me, when, when do you think you can get this done? And uh, so we're making a deal here that I'd, um, uh, I'll get back to you day after tomorrow. So he takes, or she takes the post-it note with this task on it, this task assignment, puts it in the row with my name uh, in the column for day after tomorrow. And so the red green applies here as well. Um, if, I, if I get this done by day after tomorrow, um, when that item going down the column for, for that date, uh, if I say, yes, I talked to so-and-so, here's what I learned, and uh, we've got some next steps. Mm. So I get, so that gets green yeah. on that post-it note. I don't know if I have a green one here, but it, I, I, you know, get like a yeah. green dot. Yeah. Uh, and if it's, and if it's overdue, gets a red dot. Yeah. It's not, it's not to shame anybody, but the reality is, you know, you can't always get everything done no. that you planned on. So, um, it turns out that, that that it makes it easy or easier to follow up on things. Uh, and when the, um, uh, the, the daily accountability meeting includes um, sort of the close-in representative of support groups who are going to be working in this area, they can get that done typically pretty quickly. Yeah, I love that. Because also, too, there's two things you mentioned in there that I think is very powerful, too, is that you've got that visuality at the front line with the team and you can collate the visual controls and see what happened yesterday and focus in on the red. But you mentioned having in this next level um, gathering support people. You're really pulling together the key people that need to work together to be able to help the front line perform, you know, help, help the front line flow. I guess we could say yeah. help the front line overcome challenges because they can't deal with everything themselves. Can they? They're busy during the day. So there's not necessarily every issue they can fix themselves. They need this strong support in a way you're describing servant leadership, but servant cross-functional collaboration to go, right. How do we, how do we overcome these problems? And we visualize that also. So we've got that accountability ourselves. Yeah. There's, there's another piece to it too, that I, that, um, the psychologist in me seems like it's, it's you know, um, powerful, uh, subtle, but powerful. 
So, if, so you've been a manager, I've been a manager, uh, and, it, and managers have discretion to define things that are problems that they think need to be worked on. Mm. And so you can do that. And then you, you know, you find some resources and they work on the problem that you've identified as a problem. Frontline people have no discretion to define something that's a problem and never, you know, be listened to. Mm. But yeah. this way they get to, you, you have this sort of the, this idea of, of uh, uh, hearts and minds and what do people talk about? Um, if they have families, what do they talk about at their family dinner table? And, uh, you know, you can imagine a, a frontline person saying, you know, that problem, this is, this is now their, you know, their, their family dinner at the table. You know, that problem I'm always complaining about at work. Oh, we hear about it all the time. <laughs> well, today we drove a stake through its heart. Yeah. Yeah. And there's the stake. Yeah. So it's a, so it is, it's a, a way of showing uh, um, respect for people um, that's, that directly reflects the respect mm. that we have for, um, for an individual because the problem that, that she experienced at work and has experienced on and off for a long time that now is going to get some work done yeah. and, and be resolved. The, um, another, another piece of this, um, a, a, a colleague of mine that I, that I worked with pretty closely uh, was running a plant in, uh, in another state, in, uh, down in Texas, long way from Michigan. He's down in Texas. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, uh, he said, uh, so he was the operations VP and at the end of the of the financial year, um, his his finance person came to him and said, "Where where did all this uh, savings and cost of goods sold come from? Because I didn't approve any you know big project of yours. This is this is just uh, you think about um, a, a team leader, and this is jumping a little bit." But uh, it would be like a team leader in a Toyota system. We called them zone leaders. Um, it would be um, an hourly person. Maybe they get uh, a little bit of extra pay. Um, and, and they basically um, handle the things that come up at the front line, um, uh, daily work assignments, problems people have, and so on. They're the ones, typically, who get these assignments. Yeah. So you figure, um, I'm a I'm a zone leader, and uh, um, I can work on this for 15 minutes before lunch, and and then another 15 minutes in the second half of the day, and you start adding up those quarter hours, and it's a lot. Mm. So this is so these are resources who are already there. They're typically um, good thinkers. Uh, process-oriented thinkers, in, in my experience, that are out there. You just haven't recognized them yet. And now you've got, uh, you know, you have like 10 hours a month mm. of people working on, invisibly, working on process improvement. Yeah. And, and that stuff adds up. Yeah. So it's, um, so a lot, a lot follows from identifying a problem if you 
if you um, respect that it's a problem for somebody else that has a that's re that's related to something read on a daily accountability board, mm. and it goes on to uh, rather a, uh, an, an hour by hour tracking chart to a daily accountability board to a list of um, you know checked off improvements, uh, and and in fact it begins showing up in uh uh in the organization's measures yeah i love it that david too the focus that this brings and also the negative it can eliminate because i'm guessing I've, I've seen it and i'm sure you've seen it too where you don't have that type of system in an organization and leaders are trying to fix the things that they think are the problems and so you have this frontline crew where they're going home complaining to their partners and their family about the problems they've got, but then they're also complaining that leadership's putting this money into this thing over here. That's going to do nothing to help create, get things out better or stop these problems. We just need to put the effort in here. It's like there's yeah. this disconnect that often happens if you don't have something like the, the lean. That's right. So you have a, so you end up with, with a much more complicated solution to something that is not quite the yeah. problem. <laughs> yeah but, but you know you walk through a factory and and yeah. um and you can oh, yeah. you can see them yeah they wrote a funny one i had a, a chap i work with at ampole um say to me he was telling me a story once that he heard of um a toothpaste manufacturer where they were getting defects through on unders and overs actually empty tubes at the end of the line and they put mm. in this big visual vision system that cost millions of dollars and it was, they was struggling to get it working and you know and then they got it sort of working. But then a few weeks later, there was nothing coming through. There was no defects. And they went for a walk back up the line and they saw a hairdryer, blow dryer, sitting on the side <laughs> of the production line. And one of the operators had sort of got annoyed with it too and just put a blow dryer there that cost $20 from somewhere. And it was just blowing, blowing the empty ones off. <laughs> oh, to blow them off. If it was empty, yeah. it was going to get blown off. Yeah. So it just didn't even make it down to this million dollar vision system. Right. And right. We're hiding, the, we're hiding the problem. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I can, I, there is a, um, uh, a factory that I, I shouldn't name. I don't want to embarrass anybody. Um, but uh, this was in the furniture business. It was a European factory. And they, they had repeated complaints about, um, the hardware, you know, the small parts required to put these, uh, these um, workstation uh, elements together. So that, and that it, it was driving the factory crazy because they, they knew that they'd put them in there in the, in the packaging as it went down the line. They installed a machine vision system um, in, the, in the pack area. So they've got this, you know, pretty sophisticated camera uh, you know, video recorder up here mm. that would, that was aimed in such a way that they, they could prove we put those parts in that package. Yet the, the, the field complaints kept on coming in. What was going on was that the people who were unpacking um, on the, at the job site, the people who were unpacking the unit said they had all this dunnage, just, you know, shreds of cardboard and who knows what other packing material. Yeah. And somewhere in that, in that were the, were the small parts that need, that they needed yeah. to put the, the, uh, the units together and they were being thrown out, not on purpose, but because they were just couldn't find them. Yeah. Uh, dealing with the, I, I dealing I, with the wrong I, problem. Yeah. 
Yeah, an expensive solution to uh, to not a problem. Yeah. But I so see. it's uh, it, uh, you know, in in what I've in what I've read um, about Toyota and the conversations I've had with with Toyota, you know, deep Toyota people about respect for people. Mm. I th I think this is a different way of respecting people by actually asking them to contribute and and help solve the problems that aggravate them every day. Yeah. I'm not saying Toyota does it wrong, but this was something that 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 has had a really a big um positive effect on the way people think about the place where they come to work every day. Yeah. They're, they're listening to me. Yeah, because who knows the problem better than the person who's actually dealing with it every day down there and their supervisor. Like that yeah. is, they are the people who are living it, breathing it, smelling it, seeing it. Like that's where your best shot is at actually knowing where the problem is in most cases. Yeah, that's that's why those are the people, um, uh, um, those are among the people that you want on a Kaizen team. Yeah. They're the ones who are... You know, they they can smell the problem, you know, from uh, 50 meters away. So they're familiar with it. Yeah. Wow, what a great episode with David about implementing a lean system into a business in a respectful way. David mentioned the power of creating visuals, being able to see challenges hour by hour, day by day at the front line, and creating the support above that front line team of middle management, overcoming impediments, and helping the teams at the front line achieve their goals. There is much more to come from this chat with David on the role of middle management and senior management can play in a lean transformation journey. We'll continue to deep dive into lean with David in part two, which will be out next week. Thanks for listening. Please like, subscribe and share this podcast to help others create a better future. Bye for now.